Hey everyone, and welcome back to the fourth episode of Who Am I? For any new listeners to the show, I'm your host, Cyrus Bilsway, and I thank you for joining us on another rocking episode, so let's get it started. Today we bring another phenomenal human being onto the show as we welcome on our third guest. But before we do meet this amazing person, we always have to learn a bit about their background. So, today's guest hails from the Bay Area. He's a rising freshman at the University of Miami, currently majoring in biology on a pre-med track. Over the last few years, he's had some pretty awesome experiences. We're talking about summer research programs at world-renowned universities such as Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and Brown. He's founded a very impactful product that I truly believe will reshape and revolutionize the way healthcare and technology interact in the future. And he loves to volunteer and help out whenever he can. You see, I hope you all are as excited as I am and ready to meet this amazing person. So without further ado, I present to you, Raul Kumar. What's up, Raul? Hey, how are you, Cyrus? I'm good, I'm good. I'm excited to get it started to learn a little bit more about your journey. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy. So yeah, just thanks for having me. Of course, thank you. So just to get us started, I always like to ask, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background, and let's keep it rolling from that. Yeah, definitely. So um, as you guys know, my name is Rahul Kumar. I'm an incoming freshman to the University of Miami, uh, majoring in biology, and I ultimately aspire to become a physician. And I've been all around the world, but I really call the Bay Area my home. I'm really passionate about getting involved in nonprofit and health industries, and I really like working on pro- projects to leverage mobile technology to rapidly alter these fields. And in my free time, of course, I love to run, swim, and play tennis. And my favorite drink is coffee. I think as a professional caffeine consumer, um, <laughs> coffee suits every occasion. And yeah, I'm just really excited to be on the Who Am I podcast today with Cyrus. And um, you know, although this is a really unprecedented time, I'm really, to t- I'm really excited to uh, talk to everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I can, I can relate to that coffee. You know, being in, being, uh, <laughs> being in college for a little bit. You know, after, after a while, coffee takes my water supply. I just. Right. Chug a couple of those a day and keep it going. Yeah, I know you mentioned tennis and swimming. And uh, before we talk about this a little bit earlier, uh, that's what I do in my, sp- my free time as well. Running is uh, running is a little bit of my uh, my bane of my existence right now. I tried to go for a run last <laughs> week and it wasn't doing me too good, but uh, we'll get at it. So you <laughs> did mention that you are headed across the country from the Bay Area all the way to the University of Miami. Cross right. fingers at the fall semester unless you get there. And uh, you're studying biology, but you're on the pre-med track. So I wanted to kind of hear a little how you got your journey towards uh, that pre-med mm-hmm. journey. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, in really one word. It's my love for networking that uh, made thought that uh, got me into the thought of working as a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I felt that um, you know it really wasn't a job. It was more like again having daily coffee chats with new people. And I really want to work in like an ER setting and just to be able to learn about you know new people's experience and meet new people on an almost daily basis. And it's really weird because um, I 100% come from a com- community of computer scientists and being in the Bay Area, again, coding was like my second language. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, my parents too, were initially reserved for me entering the field, especially considering, you know, the time it takes, mm-hmm. coupled with the student loans and the stress of the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they started to get me into programming and engineering type like internships, but I really felt like it wasn't for me and no, no hate or anyone who loves a profession, but... I really felt that it was this competitive environment where everyone was really trying to grab to the top and there was no time for benefit of like working with others, you know, mm-hmm. making friends, learning about others, just having like five minute conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think midway through like my, one of my coding internships, I just decided to try something else. And before freshman year, I was able to get into an opportunity where I was able to witness a doctor, um, you know, interact with patients in different clinical settings. Mm-hmm. And it really got me excited into this day to day lifestyle of 
that I would potentially have. Mm-hmm. And clocking into work, I just felt like I would be able to talk to people every day, um, just like we're doing right now, mm-hmm. and have these mini coffee chats like with people who I'd call patients, but in reality, they would just be new people coming in every day. Mm-hmm. And that thought really eased my worries about you know, the long and arduous journey. And for the first time in searching for a career of like, some interest, I actually found an environment that it didn't feel like work. It really felt like just having fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, after that, I started getting more involved in the field, shattering some doctors. And um, I was having genuine conversations and learning more from these people than I ever did, like, you know, through a textbook. Mm-hmm. And that's what really got me excited about uh, making this not just a hobby, but like a profession. Got you. Yeah, I definitely can. I definitely can resonate with that. So I think that's it's funny because we're on like two opposites. Like you did a 180 from tech to healthcare, like medicine. I did a 180 from like my original journey of pre-med to absolutely going to tech. So I think it's kind of funny, like we're on two spectrums. But um, just to kind of go off what you said, yeah, like. I think one thing, especially given today's time, like we're dealing with a, a global pandemic and uh, mm-hmm. like you see what doctors go through and just like the relentless drive to have such like selfless, uh, selfless passions and just put them, put their patients and all see the world before themselves to make sure that, you know, we're all, all doing good. So that's one thing to speak on that, but also just like one thing that you said, just like those interactions. So um, mm-hmm. when I started off my freshman career, I was working as, as being a full-time student, I was also really big on making sure I was like getting some clinical experience, right? I really wanted mm-hmm. to know what it was like to be a physician because I wanted to be able to touch my dream a little bit to keep motivated. So I do about um, three days a week, I'd go into a uh, practice and I was working as a PT tech. Um, and just to get those interactions with patients, you know, and it's funny because you put on a pair of scrubs and all of a sudden patients kind of think that you're a doctor. And I think right. it's hilarious because <laughs> I think it's funny, like the treatment I'd get when I was uh, like, uh, just there and maybe like uh, my school outfit I did kind of treat like oh, I was like part of um, just like just like shadowing but I put on like uh, a UMD scrub and all of a sudden right. like hey doctor I'm like oh no no but you know it came with free coffee perks every once in a while so I do appreciate that but uh, no yeah just just like you said those interactions with people and just getting to really learn people more so outside of just uh, their physical struggles or emotional struggles or mental struggles and build those connections and just know that what you're doing has such an impactful um, has such an impact on people's lives truly did captivate me and made me just like really passionate for that. I know I did change my path, but that's one thing I'll speak for um, like healthcare, just the fact that you do learn so much about someone in such a short amount of time. And it, it's truly a beautiful thing. So, um, one yeah, thing uh, uh, sorry, if I can, uh, I forgot to add one thing. I really feel that um, a lot of people, again, they say it's really stressful, mm-hmm. but just walking out of a clinic on a daily basis with a smile on your face that you helped someone or you made someone's life a little bit different. I think that really um, motivates a lot of healthcare workers to keep coming back the next day. Exactly. And I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. So one thing that we did talk about when I was, you know, I had to do my research on everyone that comes to the show. I got to do some research. Um, And you actually, you have figured out a way to combine healthcare and technology. So I'm really intrigued on how you launched a product called Go Donate. Could you kind of tell us about your inspiration behind developing this, what this is exactly, and your journey of uh, foundership. Where has this taken you and like everything of that nature? Yeah, definitely. I think that this journey really starts back in eighth grade. Um, and during this time, I went to rural South India with my family mm-hmm. over the summer break. And a lot of my distant family actually lives here for spiritual and religious reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, the only person who was actually willing to hang out with me was my cousin, um, who I quickly bonded with. And his name was Raju. And like together, we were like touring the villages. He was showing me around, showing me some of the local games and customs. 
Um, but unfortunately, he was thrombocytopenic, which meant that mm -hmm. his blood didn't properly clot and severe injuries would most likely be fatal. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, due to living um, you know, hours away from a hospital and not being insured, uh, he was unable to get treatment. And reflecting back, it's actually um, a very sad story because he could have got cured by simple blood transfusion that, you know, in the West, in Western medicine, we consider a blood transfusion to be like, I can go drive 20 minutes mm -hmm. to my local clinic and get one. Mm -hmm. Um, but here was this like my own family member living hours away who um, couldn't get one. So when we were leaving, unfortunately, he did get into a fatal motorbike accident mm -hmm. on the way back from school. And unfortunately, he did not make it to the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I was at, at the time I was trying to process everything. But looking at the bigger picture and doing some more research on the issue itself, I realized it wasn't just him. It wasn't just um, this one kid in this one village, but mm -hmm. it was a widespread problem throughout India and not just India, in fact, but across the world. And even in first world countries like the United States, many people still don't have proper access to um, healthcare systems that everyone deserves. Mm -hmm. And I after mentioned that I learned how to code and, you know, coding was a second language. I really wanted to use that knowledge to kind of build a platform. And at the fundamental level, I wanted this platform to connect people willing to donate blood with people who really needed it, just like my cousin. Mm -hmm. And um, I utilized these skills and like the networks I had throughout my family connections to build mobile applications, and which I actually chose to use because of its widespread use. Mm -hmm. And um, one, just again, doing some research on this, I found that although Africa and Asia are the continents most susceptible to a lack of healthcare, mm -hmm. these places are expected to have the largest mobile phone market by 2030. Exactly. And I really thought that we can definitely make healthcare more accessible through this medium that you know many people already have just in their pocket. Mm -hmm. So I leveraged my programming skills to construct a mobile app for um, iOS and Android, uh, the two most common platforms. Mm -hmm. And then I made a website so that pretty much anywhere people can use my service. And I began marketing it, you know, really small to my local schools, my peers and my my counselors and teachers. Mm -hmm. And I soon started to go up from there. I went to local government officials and local nonprofits um, and blood banks and medical centers soon thereafter in places like France and South Africa. Wow. And it was really exciting, like, you know, traveling to different places, meeting with local jurisdictions mm -hmm. and telling them that, hey, there's this like literal free app that you can use on your phone um, to get more blood donations. And after all, the goal of me and like all these nonprofits, we just want to foster more blood donations. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you can do it through a mobile device, um, you know, why not try it? Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm so sorry for the for your loss but thank you yeah yeah but i think that okay like one thing that i think is so beautiful is when someone can take something that's so so tragic but you can use it to under like process it for yourself and understand how you can take that to improve the lives of others right and one thing you mentioned was health disparities right so mm -hmm. there's no country in the world that you know health disparity is is a foreigner to right i think far too often we when especially like coming from uh coming from the country like the u.s where we do suffer from health disparities but being a lot more privileged of a country oftentimes we think of like you know like third world countries or we think of developing nations right. rather right. that's a, a better way to phrase it and you know we're like oh like how can we help them but there, there's so many things that we like we can focus on here and how you you took something such as a, a problem that you could scale here and you did it at a, a small basis right you said you started with right, your, right. your friends and uh your school your schoolmates uh then you went to like local government and then right, scaled and right. scaled, took you international, right? Like one thing I think that we often think is when we look at a problem such as like, for example, like the lack of blood donations or like um, bone marrow transplants and the, such mm -hmm. like a need for a need for this, but there's a, such a um, such a high demand but a low supply, right? Like mm -hmm. it's often you often get convoluted and you get confused and frustrated because you try and face a problem that 
you think is such an amassed scale, but there's so many ways that you can tackle it from a, a small basis and grow it, right? Like scale it to have an impact, which honestly you did organically. And, and that's really mm -hmm. cool. Um, Thank you. Yeah, but one thing I was thinking is the app, uh, the app has two functions, right? Like you can donate blood, but there's another function to it as well, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I like one thing that we're developing now is actually donate food. Mm. And um, the reason we're doing so is I thought like, you know, I started this thing for blood donations. The code is pretty much identical. Why don't we just apply it to food insecurities? Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that is I was reading recent reports and being in the Bay Area, the homelessness crisis is actually um, exacerbated exactly. by the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. A lot of the social services like food and um, other healthcare industries, they're shutting down really rapidly. Mm -hmm. And with a lack of volunteers, a lack of donations, um, the people who are suffering the most are, you know, homeless people mm -hmm. and food insecure people who once used to almost completely rely on these organizations. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, you know, we already sought blood donations. Why don't we apply the same logic to do food donations, mm -hmm. which is also a growing problem. So um, yeah, I launched that a couple weeks back and I'm working on it right now again, doing the same mythology of uh, blood donations, mm -hmm. uh, partnering with local food banks, partnering with local volunteers who are willing to help out. And um, yeah, it's been a really fun process so far. I've met like how organizations are adapting to the coronavirus, mm -hmm. how they're uh, rapidly evolving to still serve these populations. Mm -hmm. And it really gave me insight into like, you know, how are we going in the future in terms of social services? Exactly. No, definitely. Definitely. I think that's a really, really great thing that you're doing and something really important. Thank you. Um, I live in the Washington DC area and I recently drove, uh, actually into DC. I live a little bit outside of DC and mm -hmm. I was looking at how, um, homeless shelters and uh, food banks are having such slowed operations, right? Cause there's so many more precautions mm -hmm. we have to take and making sure everything's okay. And I was driving and I was thinking to myself, you know, one thing I think we tend to forget is though you probably like, okay, for example, I, I, I was, I was at a stoplight and someone came up to my window and they asked if I had any, um, like anything I could give them for food or money. So I, I luckily like God, God willing, I actually packed like a little bit of snack that day. And mm -hmm. I was like, I'm so thankful that I just like was, I'm, I'm like thankful that like somehow I magically like happened to pack something because right. when you think of it, like someone that is, I know, and this was in March, right? So this is, this happened in March and that's, uh, that was like when COVID just hit and it was kind of like a scare, like the world was in a, a complete mm -hmm. scare. Now it's kind of like scaled down a little bit. Of course, cases are rising, but you know, we're kind of getting a little bit of grasp of what's going on. Right. Um, but as I was rolling down my window, um, you know, one thing that came to my mind was, oh, like, I guess, I guess technically I'm, I'm interacting with someone that I, I don't know, you know, where they've been or where they've gone through but right. in my mind i thought you know I'm, I'm i'm 20 years old uh, i'd like to say i'm pretty healthy you know i don't have any pre-existing health conditions but this person right here is like like their signs that they were homeless they're in need of food and one thing mm -hmm. is like uh with the lack of food and proper nutrition you suffer from a high uh much higher risk of a weakened immune system right so right. automatically in my head i clicked like oh oh my goodness like you know like like without a doubt like roll my window down um and i, I say that from a point of privilege of being in a healthy state uh, like water, I had a quick snack on me, I gave it. And it kind of made me start thinking like, you know, like maybe when I do go out to the grocery store, maybe I should pack a little bit of something. Not saying that every right. time I run into someone, but you know, that's one thing that I think uh, often like from a privileged standpoint, like we tend, can tend to forget being in such a scare of a state right now. Like, right. you know, there are people in the world that are really going through what we're going through and even double almost, you know, like right. just the right. fact of not being able to have like basic human necessities. So I think that's one thing that's extremely important that you're doing with your product. Thank and you, um yeah. yeah definitely so one thing i was wanted to focus on was you know far uh definitely now in today's time often there's a mix between fields right so healthcare and um technology are definitely coming to uh, a blend like you know there's right. without a doubt like technology in itself can't solve anything but there's so much power 
and the proper use of technology you know of course there's abuse of power but the proper use of technology so i kind of wanted to hear some thoughts on like where do you think mm-hmm. the future of healthcare is going in regards in regards to technological influence within medical practices yeah definitely and i think um if we can learn one lesson from the coronavirus it's really always have a backup plan right mm-hmm. i think uh when, when we see social services like education food distribution and healthcare um, among others like really suffering during this time no one really expected the pandemic to hit this hard and last this long but it's really taught us a lesson about preparing for the worst. And I think healthcare, most importantly, can take away from this lesson. Mm-hmm. I really see mobile phone technology and you know virtual care becoming a big thing in the nearby future. Mm-hmm. And not only is it technology that everyone, like a large portion of the world at least, already possesses, but in my opinion, it's one of the easiest mediums to actually get healthcare to exactly. the largest amount of people in the shortest amount of time possible. Mm-hmm. And you know, my, my personal hope is that people who otherwise can't go to a physician or even now amid the coronavirus like want to shelter in place, mm-hmm. they can get themselves checked out using apps and properly self-diagnose themselves like right at home mm-hmm. for a low or like uh, absolutely free cost. And I also feel that not only will the service be expanding to more and more people, but with innovations like 5G coming out with mm-hmm. more Wi-Fi being accessible, um, I really think the potential is really great here. I think that eventually the goal should be that one device could potentially change someone's life if mm-hmm. they're going to go to the ER or if they're going to get um, cardiac problems or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. No, I definitely, I definitely do agree with you. And it kind of brings me to a point um, that I was talking to a uh, senior PM, um, a senior product marketing manager at uh, Philips Healthcare, and he was mentioning how they have this product called Lumify. And just for just to kind of give a base of what that product is, it's a handheld ultrasound device. And um, though this product isn't necessarily scaling like that large in the U.S., for other countries like markets such as China, it's blowing up because right. the the power of this one device to go and take it in an area where like, for example, like to go back to your cousin, a place where, you know, like they, they're hours away from a hospital and, mm-hmm. and necessarily they don't have access to such like massive healthcare centers that we do here. Like a product like that can be the, the instance from someone understanding that, oh, they have a tumor that's uh, two weeks from now like two two weeks forming versus they've have a tumor that's now noticeable growing for a year and you know mm-hmm. now you can finally physically see it or feel it you know like a product right. like that can have such life-changing effects and far too often uh i feel like you know we tend not to necessarily look at how the two fields like coincide kind of like people i think it comes to, like a push and pull almost like right. oh, is technology doing too much is healthcare lacking you know but there's so much power and so much uh, that can come from the unity between the two fields and i thought that was like really important to focus on um mm-hmm. And then one thing I was also thinking was, uh, you know, like, you know, I, I, I'm going to say this, like, you know, you are a rising, uh, a rising freshman, but, you know, like your journey has had so much, so much uh, so far, right? You know, you're oh, going to your you. freshman year and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I commend you because as a freshman going into college, uh, I think I think I wasn't doing anything near anything near to this. I think I was doing my, my volunteering. I was doing my my shadowing, but nothing, nothing like this. So I commend you on that fully. But oh, thank you. I think I think your journey so far has a lot of power and a lot to say for it. So I kind of wanted to ask you a question. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, you know, but um, mm-hmm. like, you know, what, what do you what do you have to say to people out there that like are a little bit younger, you know, like kind of just right. getting into college, kind of going into high school or in high school right now? And that, you know, a lot of times people will tell you like, oh, like, you know, you're kind of young for this or, you know, like, oh, you don't have the experience yet. Like, what, right, are, what right. are your tips to people hearing that? Right. Definitely. I think that, um, you know, no matter your age, the two points that I really recommend to, you know, either get opportunities or like talk to other people is really networking and like unusual cold emailing. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say like networking to start off with is that the most of the information that I got um, about like not just medicine, but about how to navigate high school how to like what to expect in college was really from talking to seniors at my school, mm-hmm. talking to freshmen in college, family, mm-hmm. friends, really anyone who I 
could text, right? Mm -hmm. And I really started getting involved in um, talking to them about their experiences, what to do, what not to do. And they were really open. I think generally, if you ask people to brag about their experiences or tell them your life story, <laughs> they're always, almost always willing to uh, talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. And they not only talk to me about like, you know, how to get experiences, but tips and tricks um, to nailing in the interviews, impressing mm -hmm. professors and things like that. And I, I, coming into high school, I never knew anything about this, right? Mm -hmm. my, my family themselves never studied in the U.S., so this is like a new experience. Mm -hmm. But this definitely helped me get information that you just can't find online. And I think also that my second point, like cold emailing, I think a lot of students engage in, you know, cold emailing, they email like 100 professors or something to get opportunities, but that success rate is definitely low. Mm -hmm. I, I remember like sitting late nights, pulling all nighters to email <laughs> professors and then getting like one response that mm -hmm. said like, you can't come, sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think um, at a certain point, you have to realize that you definitely have to change your email structure. Mm -hmm. um, and the, way, the one thing I really recommend is I started seeing email, I started seeing results when I changed my format. Mm -hmm. So instead of asking for like, oh, can I come shadow you or like this entire opportunity, I really just asked for like a coffee chat style, mm -hmm. like conversation. I was like, hey, I saw your paper. Can I talk to you about, like, can I talk to you about it? Just some questions I had for five, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that soon turned into like a full length conversation that we were having for like an hour. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of these chats, I began asking them to hear out some of my past experiences, telling them about you know, what I've been involved in, my interest in the field. Um, and I kind of like casually set the question. It was almost like I was, you know, asking a friend at that point. Mm -hmm. And I really think that a lot of people, um, I mean, if a stranger emails me tomorrow and asks, asks me to um, give him an opportunity, it's kind of like shady, right? Mm -hmm. But versus if I know someone really well or if he's, you know, engaged with me um, for some period of time. Mm -hmm. and I think at the fundamental level, it's really better to know someone before asking them for something big like shadowing mm -hmm. for internships. And especially if they know what kind of human being you are, what kind of student you are, your motivation or your um, you know, drive for this field, mm -hmm. they'll definitely be more open compared to like a random email. Exactly. So I think that definitely these two factors have helped me throughout high school and get all the, getting the information I needed and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I definitely can. I second all that, right? I think the first thing you talked mm -hmm. about, like, just, like, having, like, you know, being willing to uh, reach out to people and connect, uh, that's that's how this started, right? That's how you and I met, right? So right. <laughs> I, I definitely I definitely can attest to just just seeking something from a genuine right. connection. And I think your second piece of advice with the cold emailing and, and really changing your structure, you know, it's funny. The first interview we had on this show, that was that was one of the main pieces of advice that uh, <laughs> our first guest had, Fuad had. And um, I think it's interesting because, um, especially now, right? Like a lot of times we're at home, it's virtual and people are hopping on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and you're trying to connect, right? And you look at a lot of professionals, I've talked to a couple of professionals now and it's kind of through that kind of coffee chat style, right? So right, right. they probably get, you know, if you're working at a, co a big company, like let's say, I don't know, Google, just just for example, and you're probably getting like 100, 100 requests a day, right? So right. like, hey, can, hey, I like to connect. Hey, our recruiter's getting hit up with hundreds of messages for internships right, or right. job opportunities. And, you know, like you said, uh, though they are there to help and they do want to help, you know, oftentimes it is hard to it is hard to grant someone that access with, with no mm -hmm. understanding. It's like it's like you said, if someone were to walk up to you in the street and they're like, hey, can you put in a good word with your with your close friend right here to get me this job? I mean, as much as you do want to help someone, there's no basis, right? You have no mm -hmm. you have no establishment yet. But just seeking something out of the fact of like, hey, you know, my name is so and so. I'm generally interested in what you're doing. I think the mission of what you're doing is interesting. Would you like right. to hop on a call? And that that does have power because you know you're not doing it from a transactional standpoint. You're really doing it from, hey, I'm interested in what you're doing, and I'd like to get to know you better. And oftentimes, mm -hmm. like you know, most people are pretty most people are pretty receptive to that. They do they do mm -hmm. want to talk to people, especially now, right? Let's let's get uh, social isolation. If you've been practicing <laughs> right. it properly, 
I can only attest to, you know, it gets rough. So <laughs> people do want to talk, people do want to help out, but you kind of have to establish that basis. Like why, why would, why would, uh, why should they help you? And not necessarily from what can you bring as value, but you know, once they have that trust and you have that basis, the door to a million opportunities can open up. Um, just opens up, right? I just want to, I just say that. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking, so I have a question. So is that kind of how you got your experiences at, you know, like crazy world-renowned universities such as like Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and Brown? I mean, those, those schools in and of itself, you know, any university is, you know, holds power, but I mean, we're talking about some of the most sought-after universities worldwide. So let's talk about that a little bit how'd you how'd you get there is your networking and uh your awesome cold call uh code email <laughs> yeah definitely i think um one one thought i had when i was contacting some of the professors there and some of the staff there was what are other students not doing that i can like start engaging in right mm, so mm. for stanford i realized it was like an hour away from my house i was like you know instead of emailing someone behind a screen why don't i go there in person and like shake his hand or something mm. um and things like that and when i was in new york um for vacation i actually Travel like about two hours to go to Providence mm-hmm. and meet people at Brown, and similarly go to New Haven and meet people at Yale. Mm-hmm. And I think um, again, this personal touch that you're adding to this request—it's not like you said—it's not transactional. Mm-hmm. It's more like, hey, let's just talk, um, get to know me better. And I think that'll influence your decision more about you know whether they recruit me or whether they have me in like your lab or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, again, like I, I changed up my email structure. I was changing up the way I was talking to people. I was regularly like sending these professors like articles I found, keeping in touch with them, you know, networking sites like LinkedIn. And um, yeah, I really think that, again, if I had any advice for getting into some of these opportunities, I know it's really hard, but mm-hmm. you really have to think like, what are other students not doing? Mm-hmm. Like, this professor got like hundreds of emails from my classmates. How can I make him remember my specific email? Exactly. Or, you know, remember my specific face. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's, if you think about, if you think about approaching um, things like getting on internships and opportunities like that, it really differentiates you from the rest of the crowd and allows you to easily get those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing you just touched on right there was you said sending articles. So, and I think that's mm-hmm. funny because uh, I think when you, when, when, uh, when we tend to reach out, like, you know, like young, young uh, a little bit of younger professionals, when we tend to reach out to uh, professionals, like senior professionals, experienced mm-hmm. people, you know, it's always like, it's always a need to be so formal, right? Like a lot, oftentimes right. you're, that's how you're trained coming out of, I think that's one thing coming out of high school you're so trained like you know in college they won't accept this in college like right, you know right. there's gonna be such a and we talked about this a little bit earlier, like a me, there's a small margin of error but honestly the older you the older you get the more people do value younger people reaching out and just wanting to right. wanting to like learn something right like you know right, like people right. people understand they can resonate when they see someone with that passion it's like hey mm. it reminds them of themselves so when they were younger like oh i remember when I remember when I was like incoming right, freshman, right. And I like I didn't even know where the diner was, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, so they can like relate to relate mm-hmm. to that. And one thing you talked about was sending um, interest and like interesting articles. And I think that's funny because even before this chat right now, I was talking to one of my mentors, and um, mm-hmm. like we'll we'll talk about, and he's in product management. That's like the field I'm I want to get into. Um, and like we'll talk about stuff for uh, product related stuff, but honestly, we'll just send each other like. Oh, like oh, I so he's like oh, Cyrus, I heard your podcast. I think you might like this, right? And then right. It's, it's just the fact that building that that personal connection and breaking it past such a professional formal standpoint, of course, in a respectful way, really does mm-hmm. hold ground because you form such a genuine connection with someone. Yeah. So um, honestly, that was that was great. I think that's that's what I had for you uh, in regards to what you've been doing. But you know, every episode, I know you provided some great advice already, but every mm-hmm. episode, I really do like. 
um, our guests to give one, if they had to leave one solid piece of advice for anyone listening, uh, yeah. uh, what would it be? Like, you know, we're always trying to spread uplifting energy and support our listeners. Mm-hmm. So what's your one piece of advice for everyone listening today? Yeah, definitely. I really think that um, take risks and don't think that uh, this will reflect back on me. Mm-hmm. And what I want to what I want to elaborate more on that is that um, do unique things like how I mentioned going in person professors, um, connecting with them more or like anyone in that field. Mm-hmm. And I really think that if, as long as you differentiate yourself and have someone say, oh, yeah, I remember that guy's face. I mm-hmm. remember who he was. Mm-hmm. Then that really helps you later on, not just making connections, but it helps you get into opportunities, make a good alumni network. Um, it'll help you in the job market, I mm-hmm. really think. And um, yeah, at this point, if you have, uh, like me, I was sending like 200, 300 emails. And mm-hmm. at that point, I was like, you know, what do I have to lose? Let me just try something new at this point. Exactly. Uh, and that risk, I'm really, I'm really happy I took it because that actually opened the door for you to get more courageous and do unique things that differentiated me from the crowd. Absolutely. I, I love that. You know, um, I, I second that fully. Taking risk is important mm-hmm. in anything and anything that you do, because oftentimes, if, you know, if it's, if it's worth it, it's usually time is a risk. You know, no, we right. don't know exactly how something's going to turn out. Of course, a bit calculated. You know, you don't want to go too crazy. Right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, no, definitely, definitely. All right. All right. Well, so, you know, what we're going to do, you know, how we, how we do it every episode. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have a fun round of trivia. And I tell every guest, don't think about it too much. You just say what comes to your mind. We're just having fun. So you ready? Yeah. All right, let's get into it. Okay. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of 2020, what would it be? I think it would be pizza because uh, mm. that was that's what got me through uh, late nights in high school. So <laughs> it's got uh, the soul food. Got you, got you, got you. Cool. All right. If you had to be any type of potato variation, what would it be and why? And by this, I mean like uh, a hash brown, a French fry, you know, a loaded baked potato. What would you be? Mm-hmm. I think it would definitely be a hash brown. Uh, mm. It starts everyone's morning. Half of America <laughs> eats McDonald's every morning, so you know. It uh, starts off our mornings really well and uh, gets us in the mood to go to work or do whatever. So I want to gotcha. be that uh, that object that helps people get, <laughs> get motivated. Got you, got you. No, shout out hash brown. Shout out McDonald's. You know, I'm killing it right now. Um, and last thing, and last thing I said, if you had to trade animals, trade lives with any animal for a week, what would it be? Uh, definitely gorilla. I think I can mm-hmm. like uh, you know communicate in sign language. I can mm-hmm. still talk to humans. Still talk to other gorillas. Gotcha. Um, you know. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Every time I ask that question, I think everyone gives me an interesting answer. And for some reason, my mind goes to squirrels. And mm-hmm. I think like once you step place on campus, you'll understand like college squirrels. Everyone that's in college can attest to this. Like college squirrels are fearless. They are fearless <laughs> animals. They do not care like if you're seven foot. They don't care if you're three feet tall. They'll come at you, whatever they want. If they see that you have right. a McDonald's hash brown, they want it, they'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can relate definitely in my uh, squirrel backyard population is growing every day. <laughs> got you, got you, got you. All right, so one th- I thank you so much for joining us. And honestly, I do want people to kind of be able to reach out to you. So I always ask, uh, you can plug any socials that you're comfortable with, whether that yeah. be like LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you want to plug, just go ahead and say it. And it'll definitely be in the link in the description. Yeah, definitely. I think if you want to reach out to me, the best mediums are like LinkedIn and email. I check those like um, almost religiously every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, feel free to shoot me a message or send me a friend request on those mediums or something, and then I'll be able to reach out, reach out to you, and ha- like talk to you more. Absolutely, absolutely. I will do that. I'll look that. So, Rule, I thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, and everyone, if you made it this far on listening, I thank you so much for taking time with us and learning about this another amazing being. And as we ask at the end of every episode. I want you to sit back, take a few minutes to reflect on what you just heard, and ask yourself, who am I?